Hey, I'm Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. And you're listening to Box Number 512 Podcast. Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Changing your world one conversation at a time. The show begins now. Hey, you guys. Welcome to episode 23 of Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. I am Aeon. And I am the Lioness. Girl, we took a we took um a little break, honey. We did, and, didn't we? And a lot happened during that break. So yes. So I do, guess we're gonna unpack some of that today. Right. Do we wanna start with our updates or um do we want do we wanna go into um I think we should start with updates just because it's been a week. Okay. So, um nothing is going on with me. Um I'm still settling into my new place. Um, that's going nice. It will be. It would have been nice if Wayfair could have delivered my sofa, like they were supposed to deliver on Monday. Um, I don't know what's going on with Miss Wayfair, but I had to cancel my order because they were talking about they they changed they changed the order so the couches would have came in the middle of October. A couch that I ordered in July, and I'm not waiting until October for no couch, so I had to cancel my order. And then when I tried to look for another couch on Wayfair, they were given very much a 15 to 18 week de- delivery window. And it's like, what's going on? So I ended up ordering a couch from a, um, a company um, here in the DC area. So hopefully that will be here shortly. But other than that, I'm just still enjoying my new place. I'm actually um, about to hop on the train to go to Baltimore to spend some time with my mom. and. Um, How's mom doing? Um, she's fine. She's having um a couple of health issues. Um, so I just want to go up there to um support her and like just tend around the house and um do some things that need to be done. I know I'm gonna have to go back um up in a couple of weeks, and I'm probably gonna stay there a little longer to, um because she's having a procedure done. So I just want to um be there to support her and also I can I'm working from home so I can literally be anywhere so I'll be back and forth um up to Baltimore so but I haven't seen my mom since um oh god I think the last time I saw my mom was like last year was it last yeah no 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 the last time I saw her was after I took the bar I was after oh okay yeah you did go home for a second then yeah, yeah. So that was the last time I was back home. So it'll be good to see her. But um, nothing, nothing really going on with me. With me, no love life. We're t- we're turning that off. I'm just, you know, I'm meeting nice men. I'm ha- I'm having my fun, being a single woman during Corona. Mm-hmm. Um, I met a lawyer, um, which was uh, which I thought was a key. But um, yeah, I'm just I'm just doing me. Um, what's going on with you? Um, so this past week was my birthday and anniversary. Um, so the week pretty much was me just at first in chill mode, kind of getting prepared for that running, just not that i had anything special planned. So essentially this last week, my husband had off and we just did, I guess one, one of everything you do when you're on a vacation. So we, we, we did the cookout thing. We went to parks, we, you know, much as you can do in a COVID, we hung around the house and chilled out. Um, so he did um, take me to Amicalola Falls on our anniversary itself. It's a falls in North Georgia mountains. That's really, really beautiful. Um, so he took me to that. We'd been there before on our first anniversary. So it was kind of nostalgia this 10 years in. Um, so that was cute. After, oh, he um, he did also upgrade my ring set which is exciting. Oh, work. Yeah, I got my ring set upgraded. Um, so that's very, very, very exciting. Um, and then after we left Amicalola Falls, we ended up going to um, an outlet and I just I was able to just do some leisure shopping for a second, but I couldn't go into many stores because people were packing the motherfuckers and there was lines outside of every store and everybody was waiting in line, elbow to elbow, to get into the Nike outlet or to get into whatever or to get into. Did so, they have masks on? Girl, fifty percent. 
Oh no, no, the, the devil is a lie, bitch. Girl, I'm talking about there were lines for Nike. I don't know if some shoes came out this last week or what, but there was a line at the at all of the sporting goods out store out stores and outlets. There were lines that were wrapped around the buildings. So we're talking hundreds of people were just standing outside waiting in line to get in the store. And it just begs the question, if you have a social distancing policies that don't allow people, only a certain amount of people in your store at a time, but you have literally no shade, not even being funny, like close to 2000 people waiting or outside of your store, then you're not really doing anyone a favor. Um, I think maybe some of these outlets should close down because when it's that many people, they should at least have some time. Girl, they're not. They're not. It's all about making money for them. Yeah, I know. But they should because they, um, them employees, I just felt bad for them because them stores were so packed. And then they, and then they had, every store had people on the outside. So it was like, girl, no, ma'am. I felt so bad for those people. But yeah. So other than that, my anniversary was good. Um, Another update, life update, exciting update for me is um, Rihanna and I have been talking for a while about me, about, you know, our different plans or whatever. And one one thing that was always in the works for me was to start my own podcast. And so I'm pleased to announce that the Lioness Still Lives podcast is coming soon. It will be launching very, very soon. I have all of the stuff set up. I actually have record. I actually am recording my first interview tomorrow. I already have some footage. I have a. Um, I went ahead and did an episode in the can last night, just so I would have one for the next week. So I'm really, really, really excited. Um, it seems like things are changing and transitioning, but I love that this is still going to go forward. I love that you and I are 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 by our forces combined, girl, because we are making moves and making things happen and. I'm excited to still be a part of this platform, but it also feels good that I'm finally birthing the baby that I wanted to. So that's my mm-hmm. Well, congratulations, sis. Um, I will be a guest on this podcast, honey. She so will be. She I will be, guys. Stay tuned. Record my episode um, so you guys can get into me and a little bit of my story. So I'm excited. I'm really excited. And I'm proud of you for um, taking a step and making this move. So I can't, I can't wait. So I can announce now is it is launching on Saturday. So, so for those of you who are interested and want to listen, Saturday, the episodes will be uploaded. And I'm trying to do a Saturday after show, live after show, but I'm not really right now. I'm not really, you know, I'm not there quite just yet, maybe next week. But yeah, this is exciting. So thank you, sis, for the love. Thank you for participating and coming on to the show. And for our listeners, Go to thelionessstilllives.com for more information on updates and details. I also have Facebook pages, Instagram, the whole nine. So follow me, go to my ATL Lioness page for more updates. But yeah, this is a great venture. And thank you for allowing me to take this moment to just talk a little bit about it, sis. Of course. Um, Yes. So... Before before we get to our main topic, girl, so much has happened um since we took our week off but well let's start here um i think is it next weekend or weekend after next um atl is yeah so and i i've been seeing on instagram that they're still having their pride Mm -hmm, they are Um, and invited the city girls and i'm i'm just concerned i'm just i'm just concerned that like people are like still still trying to operate as if we are not in a world impacted by COVID-19. And I know people are taking the best precautions that they can, but it's, it's just like you have to pick your battles. And I just, I don't, I just, I don't know. I don't want to say it's irresponsible, but I don't know. It just kind of feels irresponsible to me. It does. It feels that same way to me, too. Um, so part of the problem is, is that our governor, unlike most governors, never actually shut the state down. He never has issued a mask mandate. He never has. So for those of you around the country that are listening and you hear that Georgia's coronavirus rates are like dumb high, it's because we have a we have a COVID denier as a governor. Um, so with him being a COVID denier outright, like the schools haven't opened. There was an incident here where there was a um, 
a student that was able went that a, stu, a few stu, when they reopened the first week of school at one school they had um, some students, uh, 800 people basically have to be on quarantine now because some of the teachers got sick after the first week. And you know, the teachers encounter how many students? So they ended up having to quarantine 800 people at one elementary school. And that just goes to show like, I think what we really should be doing right now is having this conversation, having, being like we were back when March and April, even though it's not mandated, even though we're no longer quote unquote afraid of this virus, the world is trying to move on. I get it. But like, we really should be at least without being told to putting ourselves in a, in a way that is protected, that we're staying home, that we're quarantining, that we're taking care of our families, but people are out partying. And when I tell you it is scary, just me and my husband, just even like driving out downtown and, and some, some days and you seeing like, just the amount of people at the clubs and stuff, like nothing is happening. Exactly. It is gagging. Yeah, it's just it's just concerning to me. And like, I, I, I think it just shows the problem with this country that we're so entitled. Like we feel like we can, like we, we can take a year off from pride y'all. Like we can, we can have a virtual pride. It doesn't, and at the end of the day, it's all about these promoters being able to make this money off of people but at what expense are we going to make money off of people when they could get infected and they could die and you had brought up a point yesterday yeah particularly in reference to our community with us having compromised immune systems like where at what point are we going to prioritize health over making money and being seen in a new outfit? And I, people can say, oh, we're going to enforce stuff. But I've seen the um, Instagram um, stories from in the club when the clubs have been open in Atlanta. And not nay one of them queens was in there wearing masks. Not no. nay one of them. To the point where even the stores where they allow people to wear masks, you, people wear the mask to get through the door and then snatch it right off as they walk past the person checking. And it's just like, what the fuck is the point? Right, like, I just, it's just irrespons- It's just irresponsible, and and then to have city girls as lap as performers. And let's talk pride. about why the city girls are problematic. Okay, so about I think it was last was it, I think it was last year. Yeah, last year it was a big um 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 scandal because um. Young Miami of the City Girls had made comments that she wouldn't want her son to grow up being gay, and that if she he did um, turn out being gay, she would beat his ass. And then she went on The Breakfast Club of all shows, and she basically doubled down on her statements um, about having a gay son. And basically, everybody had to drag her because it was like. Uh, sis, this is very homophobic. <laughs> this is very homophobic. We're not allowing that. Right, and then the reasoning was, well, I like gay people because they do my makeup and hair and they my friends. Mm-hmm. I just don't want my son to be one. So it was a lot of black backlash and hoopla around that. Um, you know, it, it has since died down. I mean, she apologized, but it, she really didn't apologize because she still feels like she doesn't want to have a gay son. But um, she apologized, I guess, for the backlash. But I don't think, and so, like, to just speak into that really fast, sis, I don't think people realize that, okay, so it is okay for you to want the best for your child. It is not okay for you to pick uh, a personality type, or uh, it would be like, it would be just as tacky as someone saying, I don't want my child to be, I don't want my child to be dark skinned, or I don't want my child to be five, five, eight, or five, nine. Like, that's not something you can control, sis. So then the idea that you you feel like it's a choice, like it's choose your own adventure with someone else's life, a child you brought into the world that had no choice in the matter, but has no choice but to adjust and navigate and be affected by the world and make their own decisions. And for you to say already in advance what you don't want, it just, uh, it makes her seem so basic and stupid because we know now that gender and sexuality isn't something you can choose bitch so you don't have the you can't choose for yourself so you definitely can't choose for your child right and then to like make it worse by saying oh but i'm friends with all these people that work for me and they're gay and they're cool but i just don't want it in my family 
Well, so, you know, that's white supremacy to me. And this right. sounds just like a, a racist white person that would say the exact same thing about black people. And I think if more black people really listen to how they fucking sound when they open their mouth, they'd be a lot more careful. Yeah, so they, so you could imagine the 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 kind of eyebrow raise when the, the city girls, um, a group that has been kind of blasted for their homophobia are now being featured at a black um, LGBT event. The very it's, next year. Right. And, it's just, and, it, and, it, and it goes, and no shade, it really speaks to how in our community, just like the level of internalized like homophobia and internalized transness where we feel like we have to like we have to accept these people because or we constantly make excuses for these people or we only bring them to make money off of the it's just like out of all the people out of all the actual lgbt black lgbt performers that don't get the type of support they don't get the type of like they could have no shade they could have had saucy santana is the headline or like somebody like somebody actually from our community that actually incorporates the community into our work and i i know saucy santana is associated with city girls because he's friends with young miami but saucy santana and all of his like he's been putting out like a video every week he actually incorporates the community into his videos um um gay people gay porn stars trans like it, it kind of begs the question, why are we still putting these cis women performers on pedestals when we have the talent right here in our community and we have people that are working just as hard, but we always um, support cis women, these black cis women, and sometimes these black cis women are very um, anti-queer, just like um, when um, these promoters hire Kaya to come perform at events, because I believe Kaya was going to perform at something uh, for a pride or something. And it's just like... It was, it was supposed to be something in Texas last year, but the but the girls on the ground put that down. Bitch. Right. It's just like, why Like why do we keep on feeding the cycle? So I just I just think it is... I just think the them choosing to have the pride in this time and choosing to have those particular performers at this time. It's just important. It's important. I, I, I will agree that the, that the, I do believe the, the having the city girls there is poor taste. I don't know how they're going to set up for pride, but I know that's going to be poor taste too, because Atlanta knows one thing about, so for those of you who are not aware of black LGBT culture, there's a circuit down South. So there's Atlanta pride, there's sizzle, there's DC pride. There's, there's like a whole circuit that the girls who usually, and I say the girls in, in a community way, but the community usually goes to these different events. Um, and, and it's a real um, traffic driver for the city. Um, also that weekend in Atlanta, that's usually the weekend of the car show, the hair show, the, the just all kinds, there's like 12 different events, there's a cheerleading conference. There's a, that's like Atlanta's busiest weekend. And a lot of those other conferences have canceled their festivities. So the idea that LGBT folk Folk who are historically and systematically denied access to healthcare are going to have a, a pride festivity and, and not be doing what they need to do. And then we'll end up, because our community is denied access to healthcare, we, a lot of us, you know, have a myriad of different, you know, comorbidity, co, co other issues that could affect, um, 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 you know, contraindications that could affect this actually working, the, the you surviving COVID, but yet we're still out here trying to meet up and it just says you're right it really just reeks of like almost to me it to me it reeks of an inter like almost like an internalized death wish like we as a community have to get better about like prioritizing ourselves because it's really hard to then later double back and say we deserve this kind of support for our health care and they're like but you had a pride and it was two thousand people there or five thousand people there like, like I just wish that we could be long vision and more concerned about our health and well-being long-term than we were about money. But again, our community, unfortunately, we it's almost like, and I, from what I'm hearing from the girls here, everybody is excited because mm -hmm. Atlanta kind of pretty much has been shut down. So mm -hmm. everybody's going to try to turn this pride. No, no, oh. no, no. We are not, we are not, not only do we not have a cure or a vaccine for this, we have horrible incompetent leadership. 
Like, if and you, in this it, state, we're at the we're we're in the right now. We're at or near, you know, we're we're trading back and forth with other states, but we're at or near number one in deaths and in caseload. Right. It's just not like this is it's like this is not the risk to take because if you get sick and things get bad, like you are really on your own. And a lot of us don't you really are now. Right. And we don't have a lot of us don't have the resources on our own to financially um to financially support our, ourselves should we get sick. And I just, you're right, like nobody's thinking about the long term. And it's just, it's just really unfortunate that we're, we're lacking the, um, leadership. Also, before um, I talk about the, um, the, the violent the week that we had against um, trans women, I, went, I saw this documentary, I've been watching a lot of TV. I saw, have you heard of the documentary On the Record? On the record, I, 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 the name is familiar. What is the subject matter? So the documentary it um, details the sexual assault allegations um, against Russell Simmons. Um, all oh I, no, I, I haven't seen that. Where is that? I've been wanting to see that. It's on HBO Max, but they but but because they're trying to get the word about the documentary out, that is is for it's up for free on YouTube. So that's I was going to watch it on HBO Max because I had it, but when I saw it on YouTube. What what made me watch it is I saw um, the key the key accuser. Um, her name is Drew Dixon. Um, she was a record executive at Def Jam, and then later she was an executive at Arista behind some of the most like the groundbreaking records. Um, she helped she helped um, create. Um, you're all I need to get by with Method Mary J. Blige. She curated the show soundtrack. She um, gave Deborah Cox the "Nobody's Supposed to Be Here" record. She tried to um, break and sign um, Kanye West and John Legend. She um, she put Kanye West on American Voice. Like so, she like she's that girl. Like she's that girl behind the industry. But. Um, she was raped. She was allegedly allegedly raped by, um, and I'm saying this for legal reasons, allegedly raped by Russell Simmons in the mid-90s. And then she was um, sexually harassed by L.A. Reid like in the early 2000s. So um, basically it's a, it, it's, a, it's, it's centered around her story, but it basically talks about um, black women in the Me Too movement and how oftentimes it's hard for black women when, when we're victims of sexual assault, how it's hard for us to get justice or for people to even believe us because when it's a black man that, that does it, you automatically have to, ex- or you automatically expect that one, nobody's going to believe you and that black people, especially other black women, are going to turn against you. So I think the documentary does a really good job of like laying it out. And to me, uh-huh. the most airy thing about um, the documentary is one, based on the women that were, because she wasn't the only accuser, it was multiple accusers in the documentary. Uh-huh. He definitely had a type and for these incidents to happen like well, what was the type girl leave me out a little what was the type it was very like exotic like high yellow exotic slightly passing for white like that was the like oh. when you look at the accusers they all have that like high yellow like i could be white but i'm black like that type oh okay and yeah. okay. the scary thing, the, the worst thing about that documentary to me, the thing that is how these women did not know each other. Like they only, they only all met each other after, like once the movie was being made. But oh, they God. never met each other. The incidents, the sexual assaults occurred at different, like distinct time periods. But when they, go, when they detail what happened, bitch. And it's full out sexual assault. Yeah, it wasn't, according to Drew, it wasn't like, um, you know, oh, like, it, it was a mishap of consent. It was, according to her, like, violent, forcible rape. My God. And then all of the, all of the women um, d- um, detailed how they, how they had to fight with all of their might, and some of them lost because they were, they physically couldn't overpower him, or the ones that got away were like, bitch, I had to fight to get up out of there. But, 
to hear like these distinct stories, like starting from the eighties, going all the way up to like the mid twenty tens. Russell and, Russell Simmons, I, I was I guess that's just a serial predator. Then uh, sounds like right. To wow. hear how Definitely. these women did not know each other, but like the details, like mirror each other of how the assault went down. I, it was so fucking scary, bitch. And well, I'm going to watch that as soon as we finish recording. Yeah, you got. Yeah, I just you got to watch it. More people need to watch it. And it's been interesting how a lot of these big black um, platforms, typically um, led by men, are one. They're not. Um, promoting the documentary and two they're giving Russell Simmons Breakfast Club included a platform to come um, deny the allegations and really not take accountability for what's going on and the sad part is um, because of the assault that the main person endured like the like now we're at a loss because all of the contributions to make that um, she could have made to me, like who knows what other contributions could have she could have made to music if she already had a track record for making hits. But because the violence was so intense and nobody was acknowledging it, she ended up having to. Um, she ended up leaving the music industry. Wow, that's so sick. But you know, the music industry in and of itself these days seems to be fraught with this violence against Black women, and unfortunately. Right hip-hop which is our which is our organically developed art form has been rife with misogyny and um uh, disgusting and just deplorable um words and, and and conversations around women since the beginning and um not all mcs of course but hip-hop has done a really bad job at its handling of black women their lives their lived experiences and the way they navigate and we are often painted in these roles that are not realistic, that are very objectified, that are, and then, then don't get me started if you're dark skinned in hip hop, how that plays out. So a dark skinned woman in hip hop, because right. again, like how you were saying, even Russell Simmons, not that no one wants to be, an, uh, 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 no one, no woman wants to be uh, a an, an, uh, victim of Russell Simmons, of course, but the choice of women is not on, is not off brand for hip hop and the type of women that they exoticize and uplift and hold up. And a lot of the negative images that affect black women today are perpetuated over and over again in music videos that are hip hop music videos. So I, I, I'm a big hip hop fan. I know you are too. We love the genre, but it needs to do better by its female artists, which brings me sis to another topic. What let's let's unpack Tory Lanes and Meg Thee Stallion and the updates and everything. Um, do you mind if I leave in on that one? Sure. So essentially, essentially, um, there's been an ongoing saga in the media for those of you who are unaware, involving two major, major top-selling artists. One of them is Meg Thee Stallion, two number one hits in a year, our newest rising star in hip hop, and the other is that little troll ass man. Um, and I say troll ass man because I think he's a sucker ass nigga and he deserves everything he gets for the story. But um, Tory Lanez, um, he's from Canada. He's an artist that is very popular and successful. And apparently, um, after a pool party one night, a mile from Meg's home, or at least a few minutes from Meg's home, um, they there was a, a domestic incident. But I, I don't want I, I I don't even want to say domestic incident because that implies that there was a battle of, of sorts. So what, from what Meg has said, because this week, Meg Thee Stallion came out and finally told her side of the story after trying to do her best to protect this Black man and being, and being vilified by other Black men. She finally decided, I'm going to tell my story. And apparently that night, they were in the SUV. There were four people in the SUV, including Meg and um, her best friend, Tory Lane, and then his security guard. And... Um, apparently an argument ensued and according to Meg Thee Stallion, um, Tory Lanez allegedly pulled a gun out of a passenger back window and shot her while she was walking away. After she closed the door after the argument and was walking away, he shot her from behind in her feet. Um, I guess an attempt to replace his fragile-ass masculinity or try to protect his fragile-ass masculinity from whatever the fuck she said to him. But I just want to say in this moment, like, we have to, the Russell Simmons situation and the platforms that are supporting him are the same platforms that were casting doubt and, 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 and putting rumors out there that weren't true about Meg Thee Stallion. And 
I am so disres- I'm so I feel so disrespected for her. Um, as someone that has been through domestic that's domestic abuse and, and sexual assault and a myriad of other different things, the biggest fear that I had was having that stain on my name and me being labeled as the the one the, the girl that got hurt and not him being labeled as the girl that the guy that hurt the girl. And so I never told a lot of the things that I went through to the police out of this, also out of this false sense of like trying to protect black men, trying to protect, trying not to bring the police into our community because we know that the police are violent. Um, One of the powerful things she said in her narrative was that the police um, were coming to the car and they were like putting your hands, telling them to put their hands up. She said she could have said at that point that he shot me but she didn't want, she knows how the police are and we know how the police are. We've seen some horrible shit this week, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but we've seen the police this week um, kind of treat people in a way that is inhumane. So she didn't want to tell the police and I understand that. But what really hurt my heart was the amount of backlash, even now after she said her truth from black men in media, black men, in the, in, in the community that are refusing to uplift and protect black women. And I am just disgusted. What are your thoughts? Um, it is really messed up what's happening to her and all that she has to take for her being a victim. But like, to be honest, I don't really expect much from black men. Um, I feel oh, like, oh, I, I don't. As I, and I'm talking about as a culture as a culture, like the culture that black men exist and stand on. I'm not talking about individuals. I'm just talking about the culture. I don't expect, I, I, what this situation has taught me is don't expect the culture of black men to come stand up for you and save you as a black woman that um, we have to save ourselves. And I think for me, the conversation um, in reference to Black womanhood, especially um, Black trans womanhood for me, is trying to figure out ways to um, divest, uh, to divest from um, Black men who uphold that culture and um, find ways to um, strengthen like Black womanhood and Black sisterhood. Because at the end of the day, um, in the, for, for our time for the time being we are all we have so what ways can um we support each other as black women which ways can we rally around each other as um black women because the this situation has shown me that and the the violence against the black trans woman is that um i can't expect this wave of um support um, it, and it just, and I feel like, particularly with Meg the Stallion, the reason that she is experiencing the level of um, misogyny um, that she's experiencing um, is because she's beautiful, um, because she's successful and she's talented, um, which was also something that was present in the, on the record documentary. It was like, it doesn't matter how talented you are, it doesn't matter how well you compare to your male counterparts to them that you're just a body you're just a vagina that can be conquered and when it's time for you to be put in your place oh girl ain't that it they're going to put you in your place and none of no you being the best rapper or you having an ear for music or you having all of the success and having all these number ones in that moment when it when it's time for them to check you none of that is going to matter and the checking for a lot of people, they need to know that the checking always, <clears throat> oh, fuck you, bitch. You just said in the third. The checking is, is when I do try to tell you my story, your immediate response is, well, what did you do? Because what it is, what it means, what, what it often, unfortunately, through hip hop and through a lot of the, the coded language that's happened in our lyrics, and women are referred to as treacherous, as liars. You know, when a man wants to insult another man, he says, I fucked your bitch. And your bitch ain't loyal. And, you know, you have Chris Brown saying things like these hoes ain't loyal. And so even when a black woman tries to tell her story, that is that is just room enough. You being a victim and daring to talk about it is room enough for people to judge you and to say whatever. And now in the in, in 2020, in the court of public opinion, if I dare to accuse my rapist and I don't have screenshots of him raping me, 
okay? If I don't have, you know, DNA evidence that I have that I have self self analyzed because if you do a rape kit, there's no chance that there's no there's there's really not a chance they're going to be able to really get to it in a lot of places because they have a backlog. So unless I'm swabbing my own rape kit and I'm telling I'm or I'm my own forensics person and I'm taking taking pictures of the blood at the scene and taking a picture of the gun coming out the window shooting me, my story isn't real to a lot of people in 2020. And that's the sick part about the internet now is that we're in this receipt culture that if you are a woman or if you are someone that has been attacked, it, it, it makes it even doubly difficult to even report um, violence happening to you. Um, another thing that I wanna talk about, um, we talked about it previously, but I think it's related. Um, Betsy DeVos, the lady for education, weakened the, um, she's the, the lady over education in the country right now, US Department of Education. She weakened the threshold, or she, excuse me, she strengthened the stress, the threshold for women to in, in universities to try to be able to tell the, what happened to them, what violent acts happened to them. And she made it to where they now have to sit before their accuser and be interrogated. And I just think that we live in a world now that is getting increasingly and increasingly toxic to women as women continue to rise. Because let's not act like women haven't been carrying hip hop for this last decade, but we're not gonna say that. Right. And um, I know, oh, and for Meg the Stallion, I feel like she's experiencing a lot of what she's experiencing is motivated in, a lot by transphobia because her physicality, um, it's close to transness. And because um, people, especially men, can pick up on that and exploit that, um, they come up with these jokes that are like laced um, in transphobia. Like, oh, he probably shot her because she said she was a man. Yeah, or, he saw, or he shot her because he saw her. She's big. Why couldn't she fight him back? Like, it's laced in transphobia. And, um, and it's, uh, it, it, again, it shows how not just trans people are affected by transphobia. Cis women, cis black women um, who don't fit the typical body mold for acceptable bodies for cis black women are also impacted by transphobia. And and the, a big part of the transphobia is that it's appropriate to enact this disproportionate level of um, violence on trans bodies because they're really men at the end of the day or they're mannish or they're manly so they're strong enough so they can take it exactly one of the critiques that i heard about meg that that a lot and what i really believe the reason why a lot of black men are upset is because she dared to be a woman that was a, that that was um that owned her sexuality she dared to be a woman that's like fuck fuck you nigga you gonna pay me she dared to be a woman that had a sense of agency and advocacy she damn near six feet she's almost six feet she's a very very she's not she's 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 a black woman you know what i'm saying and i just it is interesting to me that we still like i said we still live in an era where these black women who are doing excellent things these weak ass men will come behind them and try to tarnish their reputation with, and then especially with her being a victim because she was so demonstrative and women's empowerment before, it's almost in the hot girl summer, it's almost like men are still counting who's gonna win this hot girl summer or a city boy summer, whatever the fuck it's gonna be. And these men are like jumping on Meg and like, ah, ha, ha, that's what you get. You know, you know, she probably says, and even in the media, and this is, even my favorite podcasts and my favorite shows, there's entirely too much back and forth about what she might have said to deserve being shot. Like, that's not okay. That's not fucking okay. There's nothing she could have done, in my opinion, to deserve being shot when she did not have lethal force. There's nothing I can say that just requires being shot. And black men who feel that way, you're fucking crazy. And I'm glad that I'm glad that y'all are being more real now so that I can know who to block and keep from my circle and that family included. Right, so um, big big ups to um, Meg the Stallion. Meg, yeah. yeah, we we support you. We we have love for you. Um, and the um, let's let's keep on um, dismantling this toxic male culture and pushing back against this toxic male. Yes. So transit. So keeping in theme with violence against feminine bodies, 
Um, last week was a, a really intense week for um, trans people. Um, and I won't go into details about the incidents because you probably already know by now, but there was a tech um, last week um, in Hollywood where three trans women um, were attacked by um, cis black men from what I saw in the video. And the attack was recorded on camera and there were people around and nobody did nothing. People were cheering on the attack. Um, chaining recorded and put on social media for everyone. Right, chaining Black Lives Matter. Um, since the attack, well, where, they, where the people fucked up is these women happen to have large social media followers. So because of that, the story was able to circulate faster. Um, we were able to get information about the attackers sooner. And I believe two out of three, or by now, maybe all of them have been arrested um, for the assault. Yeah, for the assault against the women. Um, And then the day before that, um, G-Status ATL, which, and I'm talking about this because we did an episode where we gave them praise. Um, and we thought for their quote unquote positive portrayal of trans people and how we were excited about the show. And the day before the attack in Hollywood, they released the episode where one of the trans cast members, Delicious, um, was attacked by a cis black gay man um, on a show and it was filmed and it was it was really vicious. It was unnecessary. Not and only did they film it, they filmed it, edited it, and put it out. Go ahead. Right. Something that happened over a year and a half before the episode was released. So they had enough time to get in front of it. But uh, I guess because there was an incident with the trans woman in particular where she um, did some racist or anti-Black things, I guess they thought that her being racist would be enough to absolve them of their transphobia. And that wasn't the case. Um, so it last week was just it was just a hard week because for me, it was a reminder that for for cis people, particularly cis black men, whether they're gay or straight culturally there is this like a lack of um protection um particularly for trans women Mm -hmm. and it was just um particularly with g status atl hustle it just it it concerned me that they felt comfortable with displaying that level of um violence on their platform well i'm sure they thought it was going to be salacious and i'm sure they thought that it was going because this was a a, a Latin woman that has in the past had issues with her, um, you know, using racial slurs. I think they thought that community would just embrace it, and that's just really disgusting. And what has GS has um, G Status ATL made a statement? Well, they haven't made a statement in reference to the transphobia. Um, on the episode, they put all of these disclaimers up about like racism, and then they had delicious do a PSA um, in reference to her racism, but nothing has really been done in reference to the transphobia. Um, oh, wait, no one had to do a PSA, the guy that beat her up or attacked no, her? No, no, no. She did a PSA on the episode, on the episode, the same episode where she got um, beat the fuck up. Wow. She, had to, she did a PSA, like apologizing for her use of the N word and apologizing for um, saying lynching in reference to a black person. So, but in reference to his transphobia, he didn't have to. There was no. There was no um, specific messaging to, um, in re- in reference to um, addressing his um, homophobia. In fact, um, shout out to Amani Benzab. I love um, her and I love her platform. Yeah. She, she's basically been interviewing everybody in the incident. Um, getting their perspectives and basically coaching coaching them through why they said what was wrong and kind of like giving them steps for how to reckon the situation. Um, I saw Delicious side. Delicious has been very apologetic and I, I feel that it's sincere, but she did an interview with Akeem, who was the person that attacked Delicious. Um, 
she did an interview with him and I watched the interview in full and he basically doubled down on his um, transphobia and he, he, one, he doesn't see her as a woman and two, he felt that he felt comfortable attacking her in that way because he feels like she's a man. Uh, See, this is the problem is the idea that a man can feel like he can tell me as a woman, what a woman is, how a woman should act, what a woman should look like, how a woman be when you yourself have never, ever, 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 ever had the identity or the experience of being a woman. And it is crazy to me that we live in a world where that is something that is debated. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna really fast give a shout out to Imani Van Zapp. Imani Van Zapp, the character, is um, someone that is a, a big social media person, but it is also my personal. So Imani Van Zapp, outside of her drag, is named Eric Dillard. He's a social media phenomenon. He's an actor. He's a playwright. He's a, um, he produces his own movies and short films, and he's an amazing success. And that's my son. And one of the things my son said to me um, after, he, after his Imani Van Zapp episode, um, one was that he was impressed by you, Brianna, and the, what you brought to the conversation. But two, he also talked about how he was amazed and it gagged him how many cis men, not black cis men, black cis gay men, not even just the guy that attacked her, but the people in the comments that, are, that absolutely claim to love and, and, and claim to be love trans women and that can be cool. A lot of them men, I'm sure, have trans mothers or trans sisters or people. And the idea that in their mind, if you don't meet some performative, some, some, some standard, some benchmark that they created for femininity, that they don't consider you a woman. And most of them have no problem attacking a trans woman because at the end of the day, they still, even though we have gone through a process that is very physically taxing on the body that significantly lowers our muscle mass, that makes us very, very similar physically in our physicality and our strength to, um, in some cases, it can make us vulnerable enough that we wouldn't be able to defend ourselves against these men who are these gay men, a lot of whom are in the gym trying to impress each other. Right. And so it is just crazy to me that we live in a world where femininity is under attack in such a way, but particularly for trans women, if your femininity doesn't meet a certain standard, it's very much fuck you. We're gonna beat your ass and you better be, and you and you can't say shit because what we do know is, is that if you do tell the cops, I'ma say the first thing out of my mouth as a gay man, that's a man. And you know that in the South, the cops are gonna treat that differently. And that's unfortunate, but that's real. And that's the reason why they could put that up. And I hope that, that young lady has the ability to get some type of legal counsel. And I hope that she is able to, and I, and I like G-Status ATL, and I like the fact that they're supporters of our show, but I hope that this trans woman is able to at least get some type of apology from these people. Because the bottom line is, regardless of what happened in an era, in a climate where trans women are being murdered multiple times a week, being attacked multiple times a week, on that same day, an article, I mean, excuse me, on that same day, a video was released of trans women being attacked. And for a TV show that claims to be LGBT focused, that claims to be a safe space for trans people, that claims to talk about the experiences and lives of trans folk, how dare you have a trans person on your show, show them getting beat up and justify it by saying, but she said something she should have said. We live in an era where we're being killed for that same logic. And I am really, really hurt by G-Status ATL, not adequately, in my opinion, from what you told me, adequately not doing enough to address violence against women on their show. Right, because at the end of the day, however you feel about Delicious, she's a woman, she's a trans woman. So for you to get violent with her in the, in the, in the era that we're living in where violence against trans women and violence against women, period, is yeah. at an all-time high, is, irrespons- is really irresponsible. And to me, somebody's... You don't, you don't get to... You don't get to counter racism by then turning around and being transphobic. Like, to me, it makes no sense. It makes no sense for you to use racism as an excuse to turn around and be transphobic. Because you can't, you can't, there, there are other Black trans folks in the room. 
Right. So, the, so the stuff that you are saying to her also imp- impacts the Black trans viewers that are watching your show and that support your show. And I just really want Black um, cis folks, whether you're gay or straight, to really understand that. That you you don't you don't you can't use her um, being anti-black as an excuse to um, then turn around and be transphobic because that's the same logic that the officers use to justify shooting a man in front of his children. That's the same um, um, logic that the officers use to kill that man and or to shoot that man in the in the, in the um, parking lot here at the at the fast food restaurant in Atlanta. It's the same logic that they use to have his have their knee on that man's neck. Um, I want people to know that your past and or things you say do not are not are not relevant when we're talking about an act a violent act that has been placed against you that is a violent act that has happened to you that is for whatever reason in this case is being exploited for money but sometimes I feel like even for political clout, a lot of these people's lives are dissected. A lot of their past is dissected. A lot of the things that they say and did, their criminal history are brought up as if it justifies the incident that actually happened to them that was toxic, violent, and fucked the fuck up. And like G Status ATL, please, we love you, but you guys have to do better about supporting and uplifting all women because that woman, whether she's black or not, whether she's a racist or not, it's still a woman, and in that moment, y'all made a choice to air something a year old for clout in a time where you know the girls are getting killed every day. Latin and black girls are being killed. And so that that's just horrible to me, and it's just it's just bad form. And hopefully, you know, this is a pivot. I'm not in the business of canceling black me black gay media, but this is a show that if I don't if I don't see some type of atonement for this miscommunicated, this this bad decision that they made. I don't know if that's something I could support. While I like the content that they've been putting out besides that, that is too much for me. And and, and as a trans woman, I stand with her as a trans woman. I don't stand with her as a, as, a, as a Latino who said racist things. I stand with her as a trans woman because I know what it is to be attacked and for that and to get no sympathy, no love, no support, and to have no one rally behind me. And so I want to re- take this moment to remove, to, and this is a moment where I am making the choice to not side with blackness and misogyny in blackness and choosing to decide to, to be on the side of a woman, a woman who was attacked. That is not fucking okay. Right. Um, speaking of platforms, definitely want to give a shout out to um, Hope Giselle and the Can We Talk platform. Uh, she released an episode, I think yesterday or the day before yesterday um that feature a panel of trans attractive men she put out part one of the episode i thought it was a really 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 good episode i'm i can't wait to hear part two um my favorite thing about it was um the spectrum of experiences and how you could tell that the men were at different levels of their trans attractions without them explicitly saying it. And I just, I just like the the flow of the conversation and how it was uninterrupted. So I definitely want to um, shout her out for um, using her platform to facilitate that conversation. Shout out to Hope. Yeah, shout um. out. Yeah, shout out to her. Um, I just, you, you know, you know, wouldn't be me if I didn't have a critique of the um, conversation. Um, in response to something one of the panelists said. Um, one of the panelists, um, I can't remember his name, but he was he made the comment that a lot of, like, th- that with trans women, particularly Black trans women, it's an expectation that um, trans attracted men um, come with this wealth of experience or come like secure in their trans attraction and that the a lot of times they feel like the expectation is too high so and um it's been and for the one panelist it's been a, a problem in one of his interactions because he's he said he's just now getting to the fact where he's um, exploring his trans attraction and what that means and all of that. So um, it kind of, it kind of made, it kind of made me want to like, um, like unpack that mm-hmm. or kind of push back against that because I, I feel from my perspective that 
Um, I don't expect um, in this in this point in time where like the trans Amory conversation is new and the trans attraction conversation is new. I don't expect this like whether um, trans amorous men who was like polished and put together and that you're not going to make any mistakes. I know that's not my expectation. What I have personally experienced is that when you um, align with somebody or you meet somebody that could potentially be relationship material and there's a connection there, um, what I've experienced is that men will allow fear to prevent them from um, partnering with the trans woman and like walking through life and walking through the fire with the trans woman Mm -hmm. accept you at whatever level you're at and that will walk with you and instead they'll let i've experienced them letting fear um make them not be clear about their intentions or letting fear um, create a gap where they keep just an, they keep enough distance to tell you enough truth to keep you hooked, but not really um, have any plans to be in the future with you. So that when shit gets too real for them, meaning you but start to become too much a part of their real life, where they actually have to reconcile with their straight life that they are in relationship with a trans woman they can break away and go back to their regular society life. So I agree. Um, one of the things that I want to comment on this situation is I really feel like we have to get to this place. And this is on a deeper, like on a more deeper community, deeper level. We really got to get to this place where we have to unpack that fear statement that you were just talking about. Like, so the fear of being with a trans woman is not preventing the fear of being caught, the fear of being authentic, the fear of being vulnerable is not stopping their motherfucking ass from coming over here for fucking. You don't right. care. You don't. You're not afraid to log on, find a trans woman, invite her into your life in whatever capacity. Go over to see her or invite her over to your house and have an encounter with her. You're not scared to do any of those things. So I refuse to believe that fear is a a valid excuse it's i will say callousness i will say selfishness i will say self-preservation i will say um the uh, an inability to 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 have empathy is the reason but fear i'm not giving them that fear excuse anymore because you are not fucking afraid to do what you like to do when you want to do it it doesn't matter because see this is the reality a man will say after the fact i'm afraid i'm afraid i'm afraid i'm afraid but you're not afraid to log on and jack off the tranny form you're not afraid to seek and pursue us you're just afraid to be authentically who the fuck you are and that's not our fault it's all you boo that's all on you you are responsible for being a grown man that can stand in what the fuck he likes because again i am not the one that has pursued was pursued what that pursued you you pursued me and if you can't stand on what you like I refuse to accommodate that or give space to it by calling it fear because fear is not what that is. That's selfishness. That's self-preservation. Right. It's the inability to be concerned about the life that you're using to, to, to using for sex to, to, so that you can get your rocks off. That is what you're doing. It is not about fear. And, and, and a lot of men will use the word fear because, oh, you know, that's a dog whistle in, the, in these days and times because a lot of times, we, a lot of black men aren't allowed to talk about their emotions. They're not allowed to talk about. So black men have now defaulted, particularly when they're talking about trans women, they defaulted to, I was afraid. I was afraid and that's why I killed them. I was afraid and that's why I did this. I was afraid and that's why I did that. I was afraid and that's why I can't be with you. I'm afraid and that's why I can't be vulnerable with you. I'm afraid, that's why I can't return calls because I'm afraid I'm gonna get connected to you. Like they use fear but it's really just selfishness. Right. Right. And a lot of y'all meet some good quality trans women that are willing to walk through the trenches with you, but because you still want to play games and not really stand in it or not really have somebody that, so it's, it's not that we want you to be perfection. Nobody is perfect. Hell, trans women, we have our own issues too and traumas to work through, but yeah, it is that it's that selfish thing where you think everything is on your time and it's not it's not and you and i i feel like 
I feel like a lot of them have to get clear with that transparency conversation because I feel like in that conversation, they were saying, oh, the, the goal is to be transparent and clear about who we are and what we want. But my experience is that a lot of trans attracted men are not clear. And they, they create these um, gray areas where they don't they don't want to they don't want to commit to you but they want the level of intimacy that comes with the commitment well they want you all the way in they want you fully invested right calling them they want you available whenever they call they want to be able to nut in you not claim you and get all the loyalty from you right because they don't they don't really want the the hookup and to get treated like a trick because i know for me you're not getting no intimacy from me I'm gonna I'm gonna treat you um, like a body because I don't have time to get drawn into you when your life is not set up to um, be with a woman um, like me or show up the, in the way that I need to, you to show up for me in a partnership thing. And I feel like the work uh, the work that we do with trans women um, is I think a lot of the conversations that we have on this particular platform is training trans women how to um, get clear about your expectations and what you want and how to um, handle men accordingly. Because, because like this whole, like, let's be clear, I, like, let's be clear and let's be tra- transparent. I feel like we as the trans women, we kind of have to carry that spirit because these men are not going to, especially at this lo- this state or this level of trans attraction or trans amory where we're at now, a lot of them are not clear. So therein lies the games that they play. And then when girls get mad and girls get upset and they feel like they need to out these men or do, or these men, they cre- these men start to have a reputation in our community, then it's a problem. But yeah, I just wanted to um, kind of push back against that narrative that we're expecting um, perfection um, from. We're not we're not expecting perfection, but we're expecting that if you come into our lives, that you are you have done enough work. And also, one thing that that, that I didn't hear in that conversation was a piece about them um, getting therapy and not mm-hmm. using trans women to work through a lot of their issues because that that's not fair. And to me, that's very misogynistic um, because men, a lot of times men like to use women, cis and trans to work through their emotional issues instead of actually um, using the money that they have and the capital that they have to go pay for mental health services to really explore those feelings and explore those issues so they can show up as better partners for these women that they need. Mm. Um, I wish I would have heard more of that in the conversation because if you're if you're expecting to come in um, with no experience and I'm just supposed to grow you and we're supposed to have a healthy relationship to me that's not the, the the makings of a healthy relationship where I'm just as, as supposed expected to teach you and train you like no that doesn't work. Exactly. <laughs> that, that for me that doesn't work like you have to come with some basic foundation or some basic self-awareness mm-hmm. that you can only get from doing the work on yourself i can't give that to you especially as a trans amorous or a trans attractive man but all in all i feel like it was a good great conversation like i said i can't wait for part two and again shout out to hope giselle and the um can we talk platform and um, take a moment really fast? I want to I want to just say one further thing uh-huh. on this topic before we move on. Shout out to you, Hope Giselle. So for those of you who follow us on all of our social media platforms, you know that we are the kind of people that when we have um, when we see that there's something that needs to be addressed, we will. And um, for those of you who are regular and avid listeners, you know that we've used that name before in a critique about the way the way um a conversation that she was a part of um, involving a larger platform and we really went hard on her but what i love about hope and why i that what i got from that situation that was positive was that i do believe that that woman listened i believe that she took our critique i mean you know everybody's evolving no one's perfect but i do appreciate that one she engaged us she didn't just outright dismiss us. And two, mm-hmm. at the end of that, there wasn't hard feelings. And I feel like 
I've heard her in interviews since then, um, considering some of the things that we've said. I've, 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 I hear the evolution in her platform and in her growth. And so I just want to take this moment to, to for, as a platform who has critiqued Hope, and Hope Giselle and her platform in the past, I just want to take this moment to say thank you, sis, for being for being doing the best that you can to be the best ally you can be. And we respect the fact that you are able to hold good conversations. And this last one is a, while it while nothing is perfect, we respect that you did it and it was a good conversation. So thank you. All right. And shout out for trying to um, reel some of the guys in because she did um, push back um, against some of the stuff and try to bring some of our experiences, especially with her being a dark skinned trans woman and her calling them to the mat on how um, trans amorous men can per- perpetuate colorism. Ooh, that's good. I, that's good teaching. Right. Because, you know, they do, they do, they, colorism also happens with um, trans, black trans women as well and featureism and all of that. So she really um, pushed back against some of that. But overall, it was a um, good conversation. And I, I just, I just like the different levels of trans mm-hmm. amorous men that were on there. Thank you for listening to another episode of Box Number 512 Podcast. Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Don't forget to go to our anchor page and become a monthly sponsor. And also feel free to like, follow, and subscribe to us on all of our social media platforms. And also, please don't forget to rate and review our podcast, Every Comment Matters. And lastly, please, please, please. Follow and tune in for our live interactive Facebook show every Friday on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, I'm the Lioness. And I'm Aeon. Bye.